Hello there. Welcome to Series 4 of Satisfied. The Series 4 podcasts relate to the Profiles of Perseverance Bible Study. I'm Melanie Newton, just an everyday kind of woman who loves the Lord and His Word. We've been learning about perseverance from the life of Joseph. We saw how he experienced rejection and loss and lots of waiting, but still functioned well through all of that because he recognized that God was with him through all of that too. Today's podcast will cover the rest of Joseph's life from Lesson 4 of Profiles of Perseverance. Do you remember a walk that you took that was very hard going? Maybe you didn't even know when or how it would turn out, but at the end, it was so worth it. Mine was a six hour, 4,000 foot uphill hike in Colorado's Wimanooch Wilderness Area. We rode the train to our drop off point, then started that climb. It was cold and drizzly. My legs hurt all the way up. And it was straight up. It looked that way anyway to me. It felt that way. But at the end of that horrific hike, I was rewarded with the most gorgeous display of wildflowers I had ever seen in a mountain peak surrounded area called Chicago Basin. It was beautiful. It was alive with color. Enduring the hike was so worth it. That's kind of like what happened to Joseph. His long enduring of suffering and waiting for freedom is over. He's not only released from his humble position, he's not only released from his prison, but exalted to the position of Prime Minister of Egypt. Let me do that whole paragraph over again. That's kind of like what happened to Joseph. His long time of enduring suffering and then waiting for freedom is over. He's not only released from his humble position in prison, but exalted to the position of prime minister of Egypt, second only to the king. What a change of situation. Joseph continued to function well and glorify God in his work. Then one day, a group of desperate men came to buy food from Egypt so they could feed their families. Standing in front of Joseph, they have no idea he is their brother, but he recognizes them. They are in his hands. This encounter with the ones who rejected him and stole years of family life from him stirs up sadness in his heart. He remembers his distress as he pleaded for his life all those years ago, and he weeps privately. Functioning well did not eliminate his emotions. He feels the pain all over again. How will he move beyond the pain? Joseph has learned much about managing people over the years. He puts that to work in relating to his brothers. We don't know the reasons Joseph had for the actions he took with them. Whatever his reasons, it gave him time to prepare his own heart so that he could respond rightly to them when he revealed himself. 
The family reunion was a time of forgiveness and celebration. Joseph showered his family with gifts galore, all of them, even those who mistreated him. Land, homes, jobs, food, and security. Joseph saw a greater purpose in the tragic circumstances of his life than just for himself. After Jacob died and the brothers were sure Joseph would now destroy them, his simple response that has resounded for almost 4,000 years is this. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant to harm me, but God intended it for a good purpose so he could preserve the lives of many people as you can see this day. What his brothers did to him was horrible. It was evil, no doubt about it. But Joseph had a choice. He could follow the pattern of anger, despair, and self-pity, or he could trust God to do something on his behalf that would be good for him and bring God glory. Joseph saw that the good God accomplished was the saving of many lives. Now, when we read that phrase, God intended it for a good purpose. We have question marks about that, but let's look at it more closely. The Hebrew word that is used there, the root part of it means to weave together. God wove it together. He worked it together for a good purpose. Then our minds go right away to the New Testament in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The fact that God can work things together for good doesn't mean that those things are good. God is sovereign, and in his sovereignty, he allows human freedom, including the freedom to do evil. That doesn't make it okay to do evil. Joseph's brothers did evil to him. God did not do the evil. God's plan all along was to get Abraham's descendants to Egypt, where they would live for 400 years. He tells Abraham about that plan in Genesis chapter 15. God allowed Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery, but God didn't do the evil. The brothers did. God took that situation and Joseph's faith walk with him and wove it to bring about his plan to save lives. God worked it for good, just like a weaver works in his weaving. That always brings up the questions, why does God let people do evil? Why doesn't he stop it if he is capable of doing so? The true answer to that is that he does stop evil all the time. God stops more evil than we will ever know. Every day he is stopping evil. You may then ask, well, why doesn't he stop all evil? To stop all evil would mean to stop all human freedom. The Bible teaches us that God takes our freedom and responsibility far more seriously than we do. People get confused in their thinking, and they want to have it both ways. Humans demand their freedom to do what they want to do. Then when something bad happens, they blame God for letting it happen. You see and hear this every day, every time there is a tragedy. God lets humans be free and responsible for what they do. 
we can't blame God for humans doing wrong. You don't have to have an answer for all bad things happening. In this world, all will not turn out well. When we are with Christ, we will have the whole story. Until then, we need to know what to say and do when evil things happen. So I will share with you a few cautions of what to say and not to say when evil things happen, when humans choose to do wrong and hurt others. Ready? Caution number one, don't minimize the evil or the hurt. You can say to the victim of any violent incident that was gross, black, terrible, straight from the pits of hell, and those people are responsible for what they did. But God is bigger and greater, and if you will trust Him, then one day, whether in this life or the next, you will see how He fulfilled that promise to work that bad thing into something good. You choose what to do in the meantime. You can respond by faith now when things aren't ideal, or you can keep being the bitter victim. Caution number two, don't say, I'm sure God has a plan or purpose for this. Don't say that. It's enough to make people blow up at God. So delete that phrase from your file of words to give comfort in times of trouble. You can think it and you know God will work out a purpose for allowing that to happen. But God didn't cause that evil thing to happen. So don't encourage people to be angry at God by saying that God has a plan or purpose for this, okay? Instead, say this, I don't know why things happen in the world. I do know that God is good, that He loves you, that you can go to Him for comfort, and He will strengthen and help you. I know He is not finished with you and He has a future for you. Those things are absolutely true. Caution number three, don't say God's in control. So when a madman is killing people and you say, but God's in control, you're making God responsible for some evil person's actions. Don't say it. The truth is that God is sovereign over all of human history and what he allows or doesn't allow humans to do. But the evil is still evil. God is not doing it. The key is to trust God whether you understand it or not and to believe that God works it eventually for good for someone. You just might not recognize it being for you. Caution number four, don't encourage revenge. Taking revenge is not ours to do. Revenge has no place in the gospel or in a Christian's life. In the New Testament, we are told not to repay anyone evil for evil. Do not take revenge, but leave room for God to enact justice. And He will do it. Justice will be done, whether in this life, through the legal system, or after death. But for now, Jesus calls us as individual believers to respond differently. Our instruction in the meantime is this, from Romans chapter 12. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When we take revenge, 
that is being overcome by evil. So we must trust God to avenge the wrongs done to us in his time. So in conclusion, here are four points to remember about this issue of God working all things for good. Point number one, we live in a fallen, wicked, cursed world with suffering, evil, and death. We live in a war zone, both physically and spiritually. It's a broken world. Point number two, God has chosen from the beginning to give human beings the freedom to act. When someone asks, why did this wicked thing happen? Answer with, an evil human being did this. Don't discount evil. Point number three, God promises to accomplish a greater good in and for all people who trust in him, conforming us to the image of his son. That's Romans 8, 29. Suffering is one of his tools to do that. Point number four, we live in the last days of the old creation, which will not be fixed until Jesus returns. Our great and powerful God will one day wrap up history and fix it. We live in the hope of this happening in our future. In the meantime, humans are free to do what they want to do. So to someone who is a casualty of this wicked world, whether it's cancer or death or rape or murder, try giving them this counsel. I don't know if there is any answer to this, but I do know that Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. I know for a fact that if you go to Jesus Christ today, you will find comfort and rest from anxiety. He can fulfill that promise. The world is not always good, but God is always good. That's why you can trust him. As the Bible promises in Romans 15, 4, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We can have hope because we have God with us. So remember our lane markers for the race. Choose to persevere through every challenge. Count on God's promise to give you hope. Let that hope sustain you through the rough and tumble of life and celebrate the joyful reward. Let Jesus satisfy your heart with hope as you persevere through everyday life. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton. And this is series four of Satisfied.